0: listening to the iterators of the imperium i'm miss i'm here as always with the one and only ryan and uh, yeah today we're going to be talking about We can take away right
1: oh thanks <laughs> uh i always feel like we have no idea what we're doing with that intro it starts off so well, and at the end of it, we're just like, "Wait, what are we doing here? Why, why are we here again?" Um, I feel like it makes like a comedic uh, relief to it, so I, I don't mind it actually. <laughs> no, I'm I'm not against it, but I just feel like it gets a little <laughs> no. bit out of hand by the end of it, and we're both just sitting. You're like, "Do we know why we're here?" <laughs> uh, it's okay, cool. it's cool. So last time we spoke about the, uh, the kind of rise of humanity, I guess, for lack of a better term, it was like the early years of humanity. So we did the Age of Terra which is up until about 15,000, I believe. Um, And then we had the Golden Age of Technology, and then we had the AI uprising and revolt and all that, where everything went terrible. And then we had the Age of Strife, which is Old Night, where everything was god-awful, and humanity was, all its colonies were scattered amongst the stars, and no one could talk to each other or get to each other. But then, with the birth of Slaanesh, because of the fall of the Eldar and their weird sex cults, um, that cleared up all the warp nonsense. So finally, the emperor was able to start his crusade and start conquering the stars again in the name of humanity and the imperial truth. So that's uh, that led us up to about the 30th millennia, right? so about the year 30,000, right? So what we're mm-hmm. talking about today is the Great Crusade, but there's different sections to it because the Great Crusade kind of never stops after this point because humanity is always trying to conquer the stars. But it kind of takes a back seat sometimes to more important events. So the ages are known in different ways. Also, because of events that occur, the, the Crusade slows down massively at some points as well. Sometimes it becomes a war of attrition. Try to keep the territory you've already got, or try to reclaim some worlds that you've briefly lost. Stuff like that. So you're not always conquering. So what we're talking about today is from millennia 30 to 31. That kind of age, right? Yes. Um, which is just the real start of the Great Crusade, and in this time you do have the Emperor going out and uh, conquering Zar with the legions, but also finding all the Primarchs. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this time, there is a few things that we're there's three main events we're going to discuss within this time. They all take place at different points in it by quite a large stage of time, but they're all really important for going forward. There are a lot of other major events that occur, but these are three that we have to talk about to be able to go on with the next major event that goes on in the galaxy, uh, especially amongst humanity. <laughs> so this is specifically going to be some events about the Emperor and the Primarchs, right? Mm-hmm. But they also like shape the Imperium of Man as it goes forward in a way. All right. All right. That's good. Yeah. So uh, the reclamation of some of the planets, uh, it wasn't always reclamation. Sometimes it was just conquering initially. So the Great Crusade involved um, finding planets that were lost, uh, that were like lost colonies, and just being like, new guys in charge, let's team up again, like, get back in here. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It involved finding human colonies that because of the length of time had occurred, basically just had new leaders. Some of them had an emperor already that just decided he was in charge. He had just rose to power on that planet or in that star system. And they had to fight humanity to conquer the planet just to instill the proper emperor. You know, the giant 14-foot god warrior. Yeah,
0: yep. yep. I've been Googling them. Yeah, you had to
1: instill that guy (laughs) in some planets even though they were already human. So not everyone was, like, glad to see them even though they were also part of humanity. Um, mm-hmm. And some of it was like finding Xenos races like the Eldar and orcs and stuff like that and battling them to take over planets. So it was a relatively not straightforward affair, as you might have assumed by conquering the galaxy as a title.
0: <laughs> nah, it's not like straightforward. Like, be like, bush, and we out. Yeah, exactly. Good, Thank yeah. you, ma'am.
1: <laughs> that kind of thing. Yeah, not that easy, unfortunately. Uh, yeah. Also, one detail I'm going to throw at you now is that The Emperor is fully aware of Chaos as it exists, right? So, like, he's an incredibly powerful Psyker. He's been around for God knows how long. He has prophetic visions of the future. This dude knows about Chaos. Actually, I believe Chaos was involved in the making of the Primarchs. I believe that they had some warp magic fused into them as they were made. So, he is well aware of Chaos. He did not tell the Primarchs about Chaos. Or anyone. Right? Why? Because he believed that the only way, or the main way, you would succumb to chaos would be by worshipping it.
0: Right? Oh, and he's against, yeah.
1: Yeah, but if you know about, sorry, if you don't know about chaos, you can't accidentally worship it, right? Which is total nonsense, because people accidentally <laughs> worship it all the time. <laughs> That's like 90% of religion in the galaxy, is people falsely worshipping what turns out to be chaos later. Yeah. So it's a terrible idea, but the intention was good. If I don't tell anyone, they can't accidentally worship <laughs> it. That that was that was his logic, right? So it went hand in hand with imperial truth. Was also the imperial not telling anyone anything. Yeah, yeah. No religion, but also like there is religion, but like shh, we're not telling anyone. But <laughs> <that. laughs> like keep, keep that on a low. <laughs> All right. So. uh Although he did tell Magnus about it. Magnus, Magnus the Red. Magnus the Red. The yeah. the main Primarch born that inherited the Emperor's gift for the warp for using magic, yeah. right? He did tell him about it. So Magnus was the only person in the galaxy, in humanity's terms, obviously, other than the Emperor himself, who knew about chaos and like and the Imetherium properly as what they were. Because mm-hmm. Magnus was obsessed with learning about it. He had this idea that he could one day control the immaterium. He could control the warp. That's that's what he thought he could do if he learned enough. Right? Which is yeah. absurd. <laughs> yeah. But that's what he believed. And uh, the Emperor did explain to him about the warp and how it worked to a degree and about chaos, but it was like this is how bad it actually is. Please stop doing this. Like, for the love of God, be careful. But Magnus was just like, sorcery, right? (laughs) So the first event that we're going to talk about, the first major event we're going to talk about that occurred during this time is called the Council of Nicaea, right? Mm -hmm. Which it focuses around Magnus and uh, psychers and stuff within the Imperium. So uh, Magnus again, he inherited his, power, his father's gift for the warp, and the yeah. emperor didn't believe that humanity was evolved enough to handle the warp correctly, which is why he tried to like subdue it as a concept within humanity. Yeah. Right? It was like, look, we we like you guys cannot hack this. You're not wise enough to know how to use this properly and safely. So no, don't fucking use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was so there was more and more mutant human psychers being born so it was becoming more common for uh, the crusade to come upon a planet that was led by like some kind of psyker who had accidentally become a chaos thrall and was leading the planet against the crusade so they would fall to the planet thinking normal people and then get attacked with all this like psychic magic nonsense so it was becoming a problem more and more, psychers existing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, unfortunately, those were the same kind of powers that Magnus and his legion, the Thousand Suns, used in combat. Because he got his legion to use it as well. It wasn't just him. All his guys, because they're born from his genes, also had an affinity for the warp. So, Mm -hmm. they also (laughs) used crazy warp powers to fight. Which, you know, wasn't good. Didn't make them sound like good (laughs) guys. Uh, Because of that, Lehman Ross, the Primarch of the Space Wolves, hated magnus because lehman russ believes that any tactics that involve like sleight of hand or trickery is like mm. total bullshit <laughs> like yeah. you are a fucking worse. you are an heretic exactly you are an embarrassment <laughs> to the name of Startes. like we're specimen of people I, I know exactly right so so lehman russ hated magnus and hated his legion because of this. And all his guys tended to hate them as well. Because yeah. this is not how space marines fight, basically. This is a bullshit mm-hmm. tactic. And you are like, you should be better than this, kind of thing. So Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. So Magnus uh, got a few of the other Primarchs that believed that psychers could be valuable assets together. Mm-hmm. And they formed a new training program for space marines, right? And this was, uh, they would, rather than just finding a human who was better than the rest around him. And doing all the procedures and training and stuff to turn them into a normal space marine. It was a new training thing where you would turn them into like a psycho space marine that actually used the psych- uh, psychic powers of the warp in combat.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, also for other purposes, you could use it for strategic purposes and stuff like that as well. Um, but they were essentially a psychic space marine. That was the gimmick. They were called librarians. Um, so... Magnus and a bunch of other Primarchs that believed this was a good thing to do got together and sorted out this program. And initially, the Emperor was like, okay, you're handling this in a reasonable manner. You're training them properly. Okay, we'll see how it goes. So he allowed it for a while. Um, But there was a bunch of Primarchs that just refused to fight alongside them. So any legion that employed librarians, uh, Leman Russ of the Space Wolves, Corvus Corax of the Raven Guard, Mortarian Mm -hmm. of the Death Guard, and Rogal Dorn refused to have their legion fight alongside them on on like planetfall. Mm. They they would not ha- uh, fight alongside them because they did not trust them or believe it was a good idea at all. So if mm. you deployed any librarians to combat, these these whole legions would just go retreat. We're not doing it. We're not getting involved. Like we're not fighting alongside something that's wielding the powers of our enemy. Because how long is it until they turn against us or something like that?
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Like, they don't know what they're doing, and we don't trust them to do it properly. So our guys are going to be getting damaged because of this, stuff like that. So there's a million reasons that they just refuse to fight alongside them. So this caused a lot of uh, animosity between some of the legions and the Primarchs. And the Emperor noticed this and was like, all right, this is causing a lot of hassle. So we need to talk about it. We need to organize this once and for all. So you had, they had this thing called the Council of Nicaea, which was essentially a big debate in which the um, in which the emperor was presiding over, and both sides would present their arguments, and then the emperor would decide how this was to be handled and what rules should be set in place, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, the debate was on. Like one side, you had people arguing against it, like the Primarchs that disagreed, and the Sisters of Silence, which are an order of the battle nuns. Uh, that that uh, they are all like blanks, so they turn off psychic powers. So they're used mm-hmm. specifically to fight psychers. Um, so they've seen like the worst of the worst at this point in the galaxy for what happens with chaos spawn and evil psychers. Right. So it was them explaining the kind of stuff they fought against and why it's so dangerous and how even people that were doing good with these powers are sometimes overtaken by them and stuff like that. So they are really dangerous. And it can happen in an instant. It can be in the middle of a battle and they just suddenly are overwhelmed and start fighting the wrong guys. like So it was Sisters of Battle and people like that talking against it. And then people like Magnus the Red uh, arguing that it was a good idea. So you had stuff like Magnus argued that no knowledge is inherently evil. It's just the way it's used can be and the people that use it can be. But the knowledge yeah. itself isn't evil. Stuff like that. and. Unfortunately.
0: Wait. yeah I'm sorry. It's it kind of like the the mindset of, you know, obviously there's people going around streets uh shanking people down with a knife, you know. But does that make the people selling the knife bad? Is that kind of the thing?
1: That similar. Yeah. It's more like uh basically, yeah. It's like it's like the argument for gun control in America and stuff like that. It's um guns don't kill people people with guns kill people, people it's like that kill people, yeah. yes it's it's like that argument essentially magnus is the one standing there going just because i have a gun doesn't make me evil i'm allowed yeah. to want to have the thing i'm allowed to learn about the thing i'm allowed to be good at using the thing there's no yeah. reason that any of that's evil it's only once a person is corrupted that they are evil so he was also yes. kind of arguing that the point of like don't condemn someone because they have potential to do something wrong like a space marine is an unstoppable killing force, essentially, hmm? but they're not seen as evil. But a space marine with his with his normal bolt gun is equally as dangerous to a human populace as one evil psyker is. Yeah, it has the power to destroy, like, I, I, I get what you mean. It, it's
0: kind of the same thing I wanted to come across with my point, with the nice, but obviously a gun ag-
1: control in America and stuff like that. It's, it's a solid example. A, it's, a it's a solid point. example, yeah. actually. So, yeah, uh, I do it. Like it. Yeah, yeah so it was that kind of argument that, that Magnus was trying to levy, that there isn't anything anything necessarily wrong with having and using the powers or learning about this stuff it's only once people start doing things wrong with it that that something needs to be done, really. But everyone else on the opposite side was like, but it's too dangerous to do that because corruption in these ways can lie dormant for ages. It can be behind the scenes. It can be corrupting governments. It can be an entire planet is corrupted before anyone even notices. It was that kind of argument. The scale of how badly this can go wrong is too much to risk it, was the kind of opposing argument. So, this went on for a bit. Unfortunately for Magnus, this was also his trial for crimes he had levied against him, because sorcery was still a crime at this point. Mm -hmm. Uh, So, Magnus lay accused of acts of sorcery and incantation, and also uh, instilling these things, or introducing these things, sorry, to the space marine ranks, because his guys weren't librarians. He had normal space marines that were untrained Uh, officially, as librarians. So normal space marines as, like, foot soldiers using warp powers. So they weren't even part of, like, the one training program for these guys that the Emperor had agreed to. So these were all seen as actual crimes that he was now being accused of in this trial. In his arguing to try to, like, uh, convince everyone that there was nothing inherently wrong with learning about this stuff, he basically admitted to everything that he was accused of. So the Emperor ended up going out in, like, a blind rage. And he laid down a bunch of, like, rules after this because of this situation. The first of which is that Magnus is not allowed to do sorcery. And he's to stop researching anything to do with sorcery and, like, the etheric arts. He's not looking at any of it anymore. Um, They also got rid of the the, uh, librarians and all psychers that weren't uh, navigators or astropaths. So the ones that communicate between ships using the warps and the ones that use their like weird third eye to navigate through the warp. They're the only ones that were allowed to be psychers now, officially yeah. speaking, uh, or allowed to you know, do anything about it. Um, and he also created a role within all the legions called chaplains, right? There's a, there's a legion called the word bearers who had chaplains as a role and what they what they essentially did was their their job was to make sure the legion stuck to the imperial truth, right? Mm-hmm. So the emperor also instilled this role in every legion. Every legion had to have a chaplain now whose job it was was to guide the legion to stick to the imperial truth. So no religion and all the other stuff that the emperor was instilling in all the planets that they took over. So that was a pretty big deal. That's how the, the council in Ikea really went down. Uh, essentially, Magnus got dragged up in front of everyone and got his ass smacked by his dad. <laughs> uh, so, yep. psychers. Not good. Not not good as far as the Imperium is concerned at this point. For the record, this in no way dissuaded Magnus from researching this stuff or using three. Nah. He just kept doing Perfect. it anyway. <laughs> He he was just like, I should probably not do this in front of certain people now. (laughs) Luckily, Magnus is a giant red-skinned, like, cyclops, so, like, whether he's magic or not, he'll still just pick you up and throw you a mile. So, like, (laughs) even if he was being careful about it, he didn't have to, like, Worry about losing a fight because he wasn't throwing magic at people. <laughs> like like still... I saw you did this. No, you didn't. <laughs> like you saw it, Fuck all. You saw nothing. <laughs> yeah, that that was the same. Time. So that that was uh, one of the main things that went down. Um, so the next major event we're going to talk about is I've titled it Monarchia, but it's about Lorgar, who is one of the Primarchs, who uh, is the leader of the wordbearers, the guys that had the chaplains. <laughs> Lorgar was raised on a wildly religious planet, um. but they were polytheistic. They believed in multiple gods, right? Mm-hmm. But it was more like as a concept rather than like... The Romans had gods that they named every single one of, and they all did individual things. This planet, as far as I'm aware, wasn't quite as like refined in their beliefs. It was more they believed that there was a group of gods and that they controlled different things and stuff like that. And they worshipped mm-hmm. them as an entire planet. Everyone was into this, right? You didn't get to live on this planet and not be religious. And Lorgar was raised by an exiled priest and he grew up as a believer, right? He also worshipped this religion while he was growing up. And mm-hmm. because he's a Primarch and they're all all incredibly impressive and ridiculously charismatic and all this stuff, he ended up building a following, right? But the the way this happened was because as he studied, as he was growing up, he found that he believed that rather than the pantheon of gods that they had, he believed there was a one god, a one individual god that tied it all together. Um, And this belief kind of spread as he preached it. And he ended up with quite a large following on the planet. When the Emperor arrived, the Emperor arrived with uh, Magnus the Red, by the way. For some reason, the two of them rocked up on this planet together. Um, not that that matters, but uh, Lorgar thought the Emperor was the one god he was looking for. So the religious following he had very quickly re- like, reformed into worship of the Emperor thinking he is the one god that they've worshipped this entire time, finally Mm -hmm. stood in front of them as this 14-foot tall man with godly powers. Which is fair. Like, I see where they're coming from. (laughs) They had, like, a big six-month-long celebration, which kind of annoyed the Emperor because he wanted to go crusading. Um, But eventually, after all that, the Emperor gave Lorgar his legion, Uh, which were called the Imperial Heralds. Lorgar uh, renamed them to the Word Bearers because they carried the word of the Emperor. Mm -hmm. Um, And then they started crusading and taking over planets and stuff. Skip forward a huge chunk of time and the Emperor finds out that Lorgar's Legion is taking over planets much slower than all the other Legions, right? They're just not progressing fast enough. So he's like, that's weird. I'm gonna go find out why. And when he looks into it, he finds out that Lorgar hasn't been conquering planets. He's been religiously converting them to worship of the Emperor and instilling a church. <laughs> naturally, this displeases the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> For God's sake.
0: You had one job!
1: Right? This, was like, <laughs> yeah. this is the one thing you're not supposed to do, man! <laughs> like, this guy did did his job about as wrong as you possibly could do your job.
0: Oh, God.
1: Yeah, so uh, that was a problem. So the Emperor was like, right, this has to be stopped right fucking now. <laughs> right? <laughs> this is this, enough of this. So he uh, he tasked uh, Rabuta Gilliman, the leader of the Ultramarines, uh, the Blue Boy Scouts, the ones that love rules and stuff, right? Yeah. He tasked them with uh, essentially putting an end to this right here and now. So there was a whole thing where uh, there was a planet that was Lorgar's favorite called Monarchia, which is like the perfect city, essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And it was like the shining diamond of his like conquered area, because it was perfect and it was ridiculous and huge. Lorgard's legion was like forcibly removed from the planet, and then the <laughs> the, uh, the the legion that <laughs> Rebooting Egilman brought with him burned the planet to the ground, and the emperor, his right hand man, Malkador the Sigillite, who we actually, I'll talk about a little bit at the end of this, actually, because I haven't introduced him yet. Um, And and Rebuti Gilliman and Ultramarines just burned the planet to the ground and forced him to watch. And then the Emperor, like, explained to him why this is not okay. Why this is the last thing he should have been doing. (laughs) And all this kind of stuff. Which is not great, because then Lorgar just, like, went into seclusion for, like, months on end and didn't see anyone or talk to anyone. He eventually turned up again and continued the crusade, like, properly? But, like, he was a bit of a different guy now. It had took a serious toll on him, watching his planet burn. So that's that's the whole Monarchia event. It's it's not a particularly long affair, luckily. There's more detail you can go into about it, but it's really not all that necessary. Um, And the third event we're going to talk about is... It's the last thing that happens in this uh, section of the Great Crusade. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's called the Ulanor Crusade. So th- There was a planet system called Ulanor. Um, they have a thing where they stop naming individual planets eventually. So like if they found our solar system, right, and they figure out that the main planet is Earth, right, so in this point it would be Terra, right, what they would mm-hmm. do is they would name that one planet whatever it is, so Terra in our case. And then they would just number all of them. So you'd have Terra, mm-hmm. and then you'd have like Terra 2, 3, 4, 5, so on and so forth. For the rest of the planets. Rather yeah. than giving them all individual names for them most of the time. Sometimes a planet will have an individual name, but it's rare beyond its star system. Uh, so yeah. in this case, it's a planet co- It's a star system called Ulanor, and the main planet is called Ulanor. Right? But outlying worlds will usually have the same name and numbers and stuff like that. So... Ulanor was a, a orc empire led by an overlord called Urlak Urg, which is a great name. Orcs have great funny names name. in this. Yeah. Uh, and they speak funny. They do. They speak Scottish. I'm going to be honest. They all just speak <laughs> <It's in> Scottish <laughs> slang. If you ever, if you listen to any of the audiobooks, uh, I've listened to a bunch of them. I think I've listened to like 14 audiobooks at this point or something yeah. like that. Um, and every time there's orcs, the guy just does a Scottish accent and it's hilarious. <laughs> Because <laughs> it's always like some what? American dude doing a Scottish accent to try and talk like oh an orc. It's God. so funny, and they always do it weird and wrong, and it's great. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic. <laughs> it. Um, so Ulanor is an orc empire, and its overlord is uh, Urlak or Ar- uh, Ur. And basically, the assault or the Space Marine legions assaulted this empire to try and wipe the orcs out once and for all. Right in mm-hmm. this area. And the assault consisted of multiple legions. So you had the Ultramarines and the White Scarves uh, with 8 million of the Imperial Army, right? So 8 million normal soldiers, as well as the Space Marine Legions, assaulted outlying planets. While Horus and the Luna Wolves decided to make a a full frontal assault on the homeworld, on the capital, where the Overlord was. Horace is a big fan of going right down the middle in any conflict. So they just went straight for the enemy command center. So his, his legion assaults the main planet. And then him, like him personally, his first captain, so his second in command, and a couple of squads of Terminators. So it's like they're space marines, but they're in Terminator armor, which is like heavy duty armor. It essentially hmm. makes you a walking tank where you give up a small amount of mobility for a massive amount of like fortitude. Yeah. Um these guys teleported directly to the foot of the overlord's tower and then assaulted it. Uh <laughs> his second in command, uh, Abaddon the Despoiler, <laughs> he used later reading, but at this point he's just Abaddon. Um he and a bunch of the uh the Terminators go to the Overlord's Chambers and Horus himself goes and finds the Overlord and challenges him in like, 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 one-on-one combat. Mano el mano. Essentially, yeah. And he absolutely murders this gigantic <laughs> orc. Like, the orc is significantly bigger than him, but Horus yeah. is, well, he's a Primarch. He is an absolute unit of a man, but he has tactics. He has strategy. He's well-trained. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orcs are yeah. brutal. So if you put one-on-one... Horus was absolutely it's, miles beyond the orc and just murdered him. Broke it's kind
0: of it's kind of like brains versus brawls, you know. Uh, straight up. Yeah, it's essentially that, yes. Yeah.
1: I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh Horus absolutely decimates this orc, then carries him to the roof of the tower and throws him off, throws his broken s- corpse off the tower into like the war going on below. Which is a good way to make a statement that your warlord's dead, I guess. Um, I I was about to say, that's a good symbol for like, yeah, you you guys lost. (laughs) That's essentially what he was doing. He was like, I need this war to be over fast because I cannot be bothered anymore. How can (laughs) I make it clear that the warlord's dead to everyone? Yeet! Straight off the tower. (laughs) You didn't have to say yeet, but yeah. I feel like he did, though. I feel like he shouted yeet (laughs) as he threw him just to make a point. But like Primark yeet, where you just like... (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, Horace yeets Urlach Urg off the tower of his command center, and then as word spread amongst the enemy ranks, basically their morale was broken, um, and all, the the enemy it. army was broken, basically. They just started to fall apart, and the space marines quickly demolished them, for lack of a better term. now this was a big deal the emperor decided to declare this a monumentous triumph and celebrated the event so they were going to hold a parade Mm -hmm. for the record for for the scale of the parade they wanted to throw the emperor had the mechanicus flat in a continent Uh, what? yeah they had like mega, uh, mega dozers, like massive terraform machines, just yeah. perfectly level an entire continent. Because, oh god, <laughs> right. And then they like built a giant road and all this stuff for a parade to go along, and they had like everyone that could possibly matter in the entirety of humankind be there to witness this parade to celebrate their triumph. <laughs> I mean, well-deserved. A round of applause. Yeah, I mean, well (laughs) done. Horus yeeted a man from a balcony. Like, (laughs) If that's not worth celebrating, I don't know what is. So uh, this parade involved uh, units of the Militaris, so the standard military uh, that they had now formed. It had units from the Mechanicus celebrating, because they fought alongside everyone else. It had uh, the Titanicus legions, so they're the gigantic war robots. They had some of those guys going on. That's why they needed a continent sized one. These things are like 500 feet tall. So you need a big road. Uh, but also, you would have had like millions of normal soldiers and space marines and everything else. So you need a big ass road for a parade like that. Yeah. Um, and then it had 14 space marine legions. So it had uh, the Luna Wolves and Horus. It had the Blood Angels with Sanguinius, you know, your favorite. Uh, you had the Death Guard with Mortarion, the, uh, the Thousand Sons with Magnus. The Wild Eaters, the White Scars, the Word Bearers, Imperial Fists, Emperor's Chosen, Raven Guard, Salamanders, Ultramarines, Iron Hands, and the Dark Angels. You had most of the Space Marine Legions all here at one time. Um, I, I think this is the last time that many of them were ever together, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. And the Prime too were also there. Uh, so this is a huge event. And the Emperor used this as an opportunity to announce something. He titled Horus as Warmaster, because the Emperor was going to retire back to Terra to work Mm -hmm. on a secret project that he refused to divulge details of, and Horus was going to take his place, leading the Imperium in its crusade across the galaxy, so all the Mm -hmm. other Primarchs would now answer to him, as would all the Legions, as if he were the Emperor. Yeah. Obviously, this caused a lot of issues because a lot of the Primarchs didn't like that concept. They either didn't like pretending that Horus was in any way deserving of being in the Emperor's position, or they just disagreed that Horus should be the one in charge. So, like, the Dark Angels, their leader, uh, Lionel Johnson, he thought he should be in charge. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you've got ones, I believe, uh, I believe, Lehman Russ, the leader of Space Wolves, just didn't like someone other than the Emperor being in charge. Stuff like that. Um, but also there was divisive issues amongst it because you had stuff like uh, the the already existing conflicts among the Primarchs. About, the Primarchs, yeah. yeah. About stuff like Lehman Ross hating uh, Magnus the Red because he's a sorcerer. Stuff like that. Yeah. You had already settled in feuds that were currently going on and... If one side agreed that Horus should be in charge or was closer to Horus, right? So say, for example, that uh, Sanguinius had a feud with one of the other Primarchs, right? Horus and Sanguinius were like the best of friends ever. So you'd have the issue of, if Horus is now in charge, you've now got Sanguinius has his ear. So now Sanguinius is in more power as well. So you had that kind of thing. A lot of the Primarchs that were already feuding saw Horus being in charge, now kind of on the side of the one they were feuding with and stuff like that. Exactly. Yeah. So there was a lot of reasons that a lot of the Primarchs didn't like this. But the Emperor was still overall in charge. He wasn't ceding his position or anything like that. He was just, I've got stuff I need to go work on on Earth. And he didn't tell anyone what it was. So, that's as far as we need to go with the Ulanor Crusade. So, after this, we get into talking about, like, the story of Horus as the Warmaster and stuff like that. And everything that mm-hmm. goes on with that. Because that causes some issues, as you might guess. Uh am So, that's probably going to be a big three-part thing. Possibly four, depending on how I lay it out. Um, but this didn't take nearly as long as I thought it was going to. So... We have a bit of time where we can talk about a few different things, a few little bits of random stuff. So uh, one thing I prompted myself there was I want to mention uh, Malkador the Sigilite to you. Yes. You so did say that. Malkador the Sigilite is the Emperor's right hand man. He is potentially the second strongest psyker in humanity. Like not enough to rival uh, the Emperor, but he is immensely powerful. I don't What was his name? Malkador the Sigilite. I don't know if uh, he and Magnus are on the same footing or if one is stronger than the other. I don't know how they bear in regards to each other, but that, the idea has always been that the Emperor is the most powerful and then Malkador is his right-hand man. So I assume yeah. Malkador and Magnus are probably on similar playing fields when it comes to the warp. Yeah. Uh, Malkador is not only like his right-hand man for combat and stuff like that. It's also, uh, he's also, yes, that, that is a picture of Malkador you just sent me. <laughs> uh, yep. That's the right-hand man. Yeah, that the that's the dude. Uh, he's a normal human, by the way. He's not augmented in any way, shape, or form. He's not a space marine or nothing. He's just a normal human. He's just an wow. incredibly powerfully magic human.
0: <laughs> I mean, I can see there's also tubes
1: in his, like, neck. Yeah, he's, he, like, everyone's a bit weird at a certain point when it comes to that. But yeah.
0: Nah, it's just a scissorish, you know, stylish.
1: Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Uh, it, it's a bit weird, dude. It kind of reminds me of the Merchant from Resident Evil 4. He's <laughs> <You> just <find laughs> standing in a dark alley with a <laughs> all flaming staff. You're like, alright, anyway, well, <laughs> I'm gonna go. <laughs> you have fun, man. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's not only a right-hand man for like combat and stuff, he's also like his man for like matters of state. So he's like his closest, uh, closest advisor for all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. as well. Yeah. Um, For example, during the Great Crusade, there are a bunch of uh, orders organized by Malkador the Sigilite for the Emperor. So I was probably going to mention these in individual episodes, but actually they're not going to have a place to be mentioned in the three-parter that we're going to do because Mm -hmm. it's not related. So I may as well mention them now. There are three orders set up amongst humanity. Uh, I believe Mm -hmm. they're referred to as... uh, the threat within, the threat without, and the threat beyond. I believe that's how it's worded. But they are uh, the Ordo Hereticus, the Ordo Xenos, and the Ordo Malleus. Right? They are all... They're all essentially like their own legion. Not all of them uh, work using space marines, but they're all designed for different... uh, For individual concepts, right? Yeah. So the Ordo Hereticus is, is the threat within so they're designed and their entire job is to um root out uh, corruption within humanity's own ranks mm-hmm. so if there is like a chaos uh corruption inflicting planets and stuff that's where these guys have to take hold and take charge and deal with it root it out from its source stop yeah. the threat that comes from within humanity um You then have the Ordo Xenos, which I believe are the Death Guard. No, not the Death Guard, the the Death Watch. So (laughs) these guys are funny, right? These are Space Marines. Their job is to take out uh, uh, aliens, right? The Ordo Xenos, their entire job is to fight aliens, right? But they can't really recruit normal humans and turn them into Space Marines very much. So the way they're usually formed is... If you do something wrong as a space marine, you will have a trial and you will be uh you will have like a judgment cast upon you and sometimes your punishment can be being relegated to the death watch because essentially all they do is suicide missions oh God right? so they're like oh, you're a criminal all right well here's your job. take back that planet <laughs> from the orcs and you're like. Okay. So you get put in this legion, essentially, made up of scraps of all the other legions that have, like, one squad barely survives because they woost out in combat or something. So they're now all criminals. So you've got, like, guys from every legion in one squad that are all, essentially, criminals in the Imperium's eyes, sent into one conflict to try and take out aliens. So take back this entire planet. right? Which is hilarious. But... The thing is, like, I'll be like, take back that planet, and then you can come back to your legion. you know, like, we don't expect you to come back, but like, if you do, fair enough, on you go, go back to the salamander, yeah. man. <laughs> which is but really the funny.
0: Thing is, but you, the thing is, you won't make it anyway. So. Yeah, you're not
1: coming back one way or another. But like, if you <laughs> but, if you can,
0: if, like, sure. <laughs> if
1: by coincidence or some miraculous coincidence that you do, <laughs> well yeah like sure we we got somewhere for you to go if you make it back but you're probably going to be in a bag like (laughs) um and the third order that a malkador sets up is uh the gray knights is what they're called their job is 100 to fight chaos right after the great or during and after the great crusade chaos starts to take hold on more planets so, like, some of the psychers, and our natural psychers that are, like, mutants, mm-hmm. will be taken by chaos. They'll be corrupted, and they'll turn on that side. And then chaos starts to fester on that planet. So you end up with a planet that can be entirely infected by crazy plagues and stuff. And then people start to turn into, like, Nurgle's rotted monsters and demons and stuff like that. <laughs> so you'll have an entire planet that is now just corrupted by Nurgle's chaos. So that needs to be dealt with. So uh, Malkador, on orders from the Emperor, organized an entire legion of space marines to fight purely chaos. That's the only thing they're there for, called the Grey Knights. And they just wear grey armor, top to bottom. And what he did was, he found uh, a bunch of people that were supposed to be the founding uh, members of this chapter. So they were supposed to be Like, some of the best uh, commanders, trainers, and, like, organizers. So some of them were just humans that were really good at politics and, like, diplomacy Mm -hmm. and stuff, that were supposed to organize it and run it, whereas you had space marine captains and stuff that were supposed to train them and all that kind of stuff. And he built them a massive base. I think it was on a moon of Mars. It's it's on Titan, but I, I can't remember what planet that's a moon of. Um. And then he used crazy warp magic, because he's an absolute beast, to (laughs) phase it out of reality for, like, a thousand years. So the planet was just, like, non-existent for, like, millennia. And they had a massive fortress full of everything they needed to found an entire chapter of Space Marines. And they had these people in charge to now run it. And they also had thousands upon thousands of potential recruits. So mm-hmm. when that planet finally phases back into reality, with them comes back an order of space marines that are perfectly built to murder chaos in all of its forms. All of them, or no, most of them are like psychers as well, that have been specially trained to use their magic to help them fight chaos and to protect themselves from chaos. So they're yeah. nigh on uncorruptible while also being immensely powerful in terms of defeating chaos as well. And they also have specialized technology for fighting chaos. A lot of it is like a combination of like stuff to use your warp magic through to cause certain effects, stuff like that. Uh, To either ward them or to destroy chaos, stuff like that. Uh, So that's the kind of guy Malkador is. He organizes this kind of stuff for the Emperor. But he's also like his best friend. He's a cool guy. The uh, the new Warhammer game that just came out like a month ago uh, is actually uh, you play as the Grey Knights fighting chaos. It's very cool. Mm. Yeah. Have you played that, by the way? I have. Yes. It doesn't run very well on my computer, unfortunately.
0: Ah, uh, I was about to say we could stream that. If we... any of you guys wanted to watch that, uh, we do also have some streams on Twitch. We have done one before with a,
1: uh, yeah, I... Ryan. You, you actually made it with the nuns. Yes, you know, I, was I was building my race. battle sister squad. Uh, there is a bunch of new Warhammer 40k games coming out though. In September, I believe we have Dark Tide, which is like a hack and slash set in 40k. There was a bunch of them set in fantasy before called Vermin Tide, um, but this is the first one set in 40k. So you play as Space Marines and stuff like that, fighting Chaos born. Which, is, but it's in like massive hordes of them, which is very cool. It's like a zombie fighter. It's great. There's tons of them. Um, I and mean, we probably are going to be streaming that. We right? 100% will be. I was talking yes. about earlier today. We're definitely going to be doing that. Uh, there's a new one that I've just heard about uh, yesterday, I believe, which is like an open world adventure game, uh, but it's a CRPG. So you've kind of got like a bit of a top down view and it's like Dungeons and Dragons style where you get to just explore the world, do you want, you make your own character, you design their skills, all that kind of stuff. Uh, I don't mm. know to what degree that is. I'm assuming you just fill a role that already exists within 40k, but it's the first one set in 40k and the company that's making it are incredible. So I'm expecting huge things from it. We're going to have to do a co-op playthrough of that as well. If it has co-op, which usually they do nowadays, yeah, to be honest yeah. with you. Which would be really fun because you'd get to like build your own character within the world. And since yes, you're currently learning, hopefully you've got some cool ideas about what that'll <laughs> mean by the time we get to that game. Because I I don't know if it's going to be like playing as Space Marines and you get to choose what kind of type like you got to be a librarian or like an interceptor or whatever Um, or if it's going to be like anything from it so if you could be a member of like the Mechanicum or Space Marines or Inquisitors or Grey Knights or I don't know to what degree it's controllable but it has huge potential yes and we will be checking it out so please guys go and watch our Switch we will be keeping updates on this kind of stuff on twitter as well so keep an eye on that one there isn't much else i need to say about this at this point because we're we're honestly we're right ready set to get into possibly one of the coolest parts of the entire humanity storyline possibly one Mm -hmm. of the coolest parts of the entire 40k storyline but is there anything you want to ask about because we're still we're still a little bit early on this one so if you want to if you want to ask any questions we've got a little bit of time uh, nah, it's cool.
0: It's cool. I am though looking forward to the next part we're coming into because, yeah, it sounds like it sounds intriguing. to visit say it like that. You have been hyping it up, and I hope the listeners—it's going be to good. Be,
1: about it too. It's gonna be good. It's going to be good. It focuses mainly around Horus. Um, I imagine anyone listening to this that knows anything about Forty K knows exactly what's about to happen. <laughs> oh, and I don't. I'm hoping they are too. But I'm very excited to see your reaction to it.
0: All right, all
1: right. So it should be good fun. But yeah. until then, we will catch you guys next time on the next episode yeah. of The Eterators of the Imperium. Bye. Yes, sir.